0: Welcome back to Unofficially Opinionated. I am Christian, as usual, and uh, today here we got Nate, as usual, and Tim, and a special guest. Richard is here with us. Welcome, Richard. Hello. So today we're
1: going to be... Nice t- to be with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So today we're going
0: to be talking about kind of the PhD life, what's, what that's been like for him, and kind of just more broadly around kind of the idea of the PhD, and, you know, is it valuable. But uh, I guess before we get started, hey, Nate, so how'd you guys meet? Cause I know you brought Richard on for us today.
2: Yeah. Um, Richard, I, Richard, and I whew, met in Geneva, <laughs> right? Um, that's right. We had a mutual friend and, uh, and then that's how we, uh, that's how, how we ended up, uh, meeting and talking. And then I took Richard. So my family listened in, I took Richard to be my family in Seattle for Thanksgiving. Oh really? Yeah, because um, we had just—I had just moved to. I think we had just moved to Lille, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, me and Liam, and um, Liam had just started a job, and I didn't have a job at the time, and um, he couldn't leave. So I asked Richard, and Richard was he like, "A replacement." Yeah. And people would never know that you had replaced Liam. <laughs> no, they really thought he was—they really thought he was my boyfriend. It was really. Like highly Liam so, <laughs> <it's Richard>. Oh. <laughs> No, I mean, I, like, multiple times, like, I I told them, and then um, they were, like, yeah, Yeah, they were, like, why did you bring him here? I was, like, well, because Liam couldn't come. He said he couldn't come. Like, he told y'all he couldn't come, so. It's
0: perfectly natural Um. to bring a replacement.
2: (laughs) 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 It was, actually, it was, like, the first time, what was it? It was, like, the first time in probably, like, eight or nine years that I had been back to Seattle. Back to the... But even back to the US, I think.
1: When was that, Richard? Really? When
2: was that uh, that we went? That was
1: when was that? Two thousand and sixteen. Sixteen, I think so. So it was.
2: Um, if it was two thousand sixteen. Then it had been. And when was your uh, wedding, Chris? My wedding was twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Okay, so then four. Okay, so that actually had been four, four years, years since I'd been back. I was highly exaggerated, but whatever. Still, right. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Four, eight, 12. Yeah, it was counting. It had been a minute,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll say that. A very Im- imprecise term. Right,
2: exactly. So, um, and then. Oh, yeah, it was an
1: amazing trip. I liked everything about it. I liked the flight, I liked Seattle. We saw this giant hall where, where they put together the planes. Oh, I nice. loved your oh, family. Right. They're we just so yeah. wacky. It was amazing. <laughs> you have a huge family. Yeah, they know. How many children does? <laughs> how many? Uh, how many kids does your dad have again? Uh, like uh, thirty-five. Something. He's right. <laughs>
2: again, who's counting? No, he's got three. <laughs> he's got thirteen biological kids, mm. and, then wow. the, um, and then he's got the, um, then he's got the like uh, the adopted kids.
1: Right. But uh, but it was amazing. Everything about it, I, I just loved it, and it was confusing and out there and funky but just wonderful and uh, that was just one of many things that we did. We have a past, we have a friendship and uh, I think it's special and now I'm on here because of it. Um, we'll see how that goes. The,
0: the, the epitome of, of knowing Nate is is never a dull moment. Yeah, for sure. yeah. They,
2: yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, um, sorry, Richard, for some uh, background, um, Chris, uh, Tim... We have another friend, uh, Steve, who's sometimes on the show, um, and then there's another one we all met at a church yep. in mm-hmm. Seattle. Did you go to the church with me? Yes or no? I don't remember if you had gone to church. I don't think
1: so. I mean, I your mom talked to me about church, and I oh, met well. your aunt who uh, who has her own religion. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't go to church.
2: Okay, yeah. So uh, if we would have went to church, we probably would have gone to the church that all th- all five of us had met at. Um, right. And then Chris and I went to university together in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's how we all know each other. We and we we knew each other when we were around fifteen, I think, fourteen or fifteen. I I think that's. How I was fourteen when we met. You were fourteen, youngest, so I that's was true. fifteen. Yeah. I was yeah. the baby. Yep. And Tim Tim is the oldest. Yes.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's that, the beard.
2: Exactly. You can see the, the wisdom. Wisdom the wisdom beard. Yeah. So basically, yeah, that's how that's how we all know uh know each other. So All right. There you go.
1: Except you've now left the faith you're not as religious anymore so
2: oh by by no means no i mean i'm no, religious no, no. yes but not the not i must uh i'm not in cause some religion.
1: interesting discussions amongst and yourselves
2: religion. Oh, no i don't think so no? did it you don't
1: talk about god and stuff oh we yeah, do yes, we, do. we not... still do
2: yeah yeah <laughs> it, we, we it do we it interesting do. yeah okay. but for sure uh, do we actually i don't know if we've actually really talked about like why i left i guess Maybe I, don't I think know. we have. I mean, I think. Oh, an, an I think me, podcast, you have. We, we on it. Yeah, for sure. I don't think me and Tim have. Right. Good question. Um, Good question, Richard. I don't know. <laughs> mm. I, think we, I think we have. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Richard's digging deep today. He's like, so. Oh, tell us about your challenge. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> so
0: no, no, no You're gonna know, you know, be crying and off-topic and. Well, it all started with.
1: No, religion is a very difficult and dangerous topic to talk about. Do you know this Family Guy clip where these guys go, "I like you and have no reason not to. I like you and have no reason not to." As a, did you hear about this magic baby born in Bethlehem and then all stab each other in <laughs> the? <laughs> <laughs> Just like Family So B- better not go there. Why? Why talk about religion or money? <laughs> You can edit absolutely. that in, Nate. That's quite
2: funny. <laughs> right? no, that'd be like, I'd have to get permission, I think, right? Yeah, to, they'll, they'll probably try to take us down. Although not even, not if for if 10 seconds. Sound, yeah, not for five it. seconds. You might be able to do it. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not trying that. Like already two hours <laughs> spinning on <laughs> editing the video. No, I'm good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I oh, do man. some video editing for my work now. We have these research seminars every Tuesday. a a bi-weekly research seminar where we invite a speaker to give a talk yeah sometimes we have it on zoom i record it and i get to cut it up and create a fancy intro and uh, make the audio a bit clearer and stuff like this
2: what program Uh, do you use to just
1: uh there's an online thing called Capwing or something like that and you just get the zoom recording and then you can just try this or that software to do things but i don't have a system like you guys like you have a whole pipeline right you three episodes ahead. Nate cuts up everything professionally. I'm not like that, but uh, I can appreciate the the amount of work that goes into it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and it's not something I had done previously, so I'm I'm literally learning as I go. So,
0: Yeah, for the folks, I got a new computer now, so I might be... uh, Not might, I will be kind of helping it with the editing and maybe taking over here pretty like soon. To, yeah. so. so that way I could take over the social media. Yeah, because my my computer was like seven years old or something or six years old. It was just not uh, up to snuff or dumb no. video no. work. So. Shameful. Shame. And we're going to get in it. We're going to get in it. <laughs> we can edit that in as well from Game of Thrones. Shame. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even... I've only watched the first season, so Oh, Shame. come on. You know what? That's a whole other podcast. All right, so let's dive into our topic for today. We've, we've rambled enough. A good transition. So, we really just want to kind of talk about, you know, the, the PhD process and kind of how that's viewed today. So, I guess Richard, kind of start us off with, you know, as far as your PhD, what did you study and kind of how was that process for you?
1: Uh, Sorry, I did my PhD in Geneva in linguistics. Uh, It took a couple of years actually quite a long time and uh, the way this works is you have to do a master's degree first and then apply somewhere and then if you're good enough usually you find a supervisor who's interested in your topic and you get accepted. Uh, I got paid for it, which is nice. So it's basically like a job. Yeah, you, you teach a bit, you do some admin nice. work. But mainly you have a lot of time for your research, which is really nice. You never have as much time for research ever again. <laughs> I now that I have a job in academia. Right. There's a lot of admin work and um, advising and stuff like this, writing reference letters, all sorts of nonsense. But when you're a PhD, generally you have a really good time you're passionate about a topic and you're willing to invest a lot of time into it, become an expert at it and just learn. It's, it's fascinating to find things out. So it's definitely rewarding, I think, from an intellectual perspective. If you're, you know, after, you know, does it make sense today for your economic output? Or uh, I don't know how you would measure the value of a PhD, then I don't know. Uh, but for me in my personality, it was definitely the right thing because I'm quite curious. I went out there. I like to learn things and find things out. Uh, so I enjoyed it very much. I probably spent too many weekends in the office, <laughs> just trying to work, but actually not getting done that much. But I think that's just me. I know lots of PhD students who actually have a very good social life and they're very happy. I just really took it very seriously and always wanted to, I don't know, work more on it or, you know, become really good. Yeah. <laughs> um so- I don't know, I what was so your question? How
0: did, how did you choose your your, your topic? Because linguistics is, is pretty specific.
2: What what kind of drew you to that particular oh, wait, topic? Uh, First, like, what is your topic? Did you mention what your topic was?
1: So for the viewers,
2: tell us tell uh, the viewers my, what your topic your, your PhD was in.
1: So I am what's called a historical linguist. So I study language change and how languages develop over time. And I wrote three case studies um, from the history of English on changes that happened, large changes, morphosyntactic changes, so not just sound changes or semantic changes, but big construction pattern-like changes. Uh, Yeah, and I put those three case studies in my PhD, so it's a bit disjoint. I'm right now working on the last chapter, and that's going to be a book. So I published the first chapter as a paper, and then the Uh, second chapter is a paper which is going to come out this year and then the last chapter is too big (laughs) it's too long for a paper so the plan is to actually i know turn this into a book it's quite scary there's a lot of work i don't know if i can do it but fingers crossed um hopefully it can get done hopefully
2: it can that's awesome actually so um okay just making sure i understand so you did your three case studies and that was enough to that was what you would consider the first chapter Is that? correct or was
1: no no that is that that was the phd uh, and then
2: afterwards you are you started what more research which was this 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 first and second chapter is that what you're saying because i think i kind of got got lost in your timeline there
1: oh sorry well i mean i i don't know i finished my phd right and it had three chapters in it and then i published those sequentially oh i'm after sorry another. okay i see except I for see. the last one the last chapter is still um but no i've done other things in between um that's for sure so i've not only done those three case studies but it's a bit depressing that after all these years i'm still not done with it i'm so ready to move on <laughs> i just want to get this book out and never think about this topic ever oh. again because yeah no it's been too long uh, it's been too yeah. much i want something so how, new how
0: long have you been researching this specific topic then
1: the okay. one for the book, uh, 11 years, 11 years. years. that is a so, good chunk of time. That's so I know ah, it's silly, but it's not the only right. thing you just, but sure. But that one thing kind of progressively comes up
0: again. working on it over time. I, I can see that.
2: Okay. Yeah. But you're, you're, so, but you're teaching, right? Is that, and are mm-hmm. you teaching in the same field that you did your PhD in? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, it's pretty so much. It's con- uh, okay. I see. Okay. So that would be a little, uh, yeah, if you're teaching about it researching about it for 11 years and stuff like that, I could see the need to. Do you know what you would want to change into now for research purposes or whatever? Like other things you would?
1: Yeah, I mean, the general topic is going to stay Ah, the same. That's what I do. That's what I'm expert at. But I can uh, do a lot of useful, specific things. So, uh, for instance, do you know Jeffrey Chaucer? A guy died 1400, which is very convenient as sort of a date. He's probably the most important Middle English poet. Uh, After Shakespeare, he's probably the second most important English author ever. But he was so important and he has such a rich literature about him that people think everything after him, so after 1400, isn't very important. Like People have described the 15th century as a barren land. (laughs) nothing interesting going on in literature basically between 1400 and 1600 between chaucer and shakespeare people think nothing has happened everything is boring it's terrible literature but that's just nonsense i mean there is amazing stuff going on in the 15th century it's only because of these literature people who don't see value in this that we don't have a lot of editions and material to work with and then you know we linguists suffer so what i want to do is create a large corpus there's a text collection or 15th century texts, and maybe go till 1550, because a lot of important things happen in the English language at that time. It's the end of the Middle Ages, you know, America is discovered, feudalism ends, a lot of stuff happens, and that's reflected in the language. And um, that's important, I think. Um, history is important, we should learn about these things. And so I can use my skills to build this corpus and study the changes at that time. It's basically what I do, right? Language change applied to a new topic or a new century or a new phenomenon.
2: Okay.
0: I like okay. it. I would probably love to. Read yeah, and there are all your, sorts of your, things. Your There's. I, I, I'm not. I don't study linguistics, yeah. right? But I, I, I do get hung up on, like, meaning and you know specific word usage. That's just kind of my thing in a bit and i i know it annoys certain people especially my wife but um <laughs> someday you know maybe the podcast we'll, we'll get into we had this years-long debate over the word keep versus the word have in oh. the context it was used it was a whole thing we finally got it resolved um but it was like 10 years at least of back and forth conversation about this one particular time that i that she used the word uh keep and i don't to use the word have instead but um yeah, mm. I, I understand it. I, I could see going 11 years studying just that particular <laughs> usage. I <laughs> mean, deep no. into the etymology of both words. But um,
1: okay. Keep and have.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Tell yes, us, you got some, um, some, some enlightenment, uh, <laughs> Richard, <laughs> on these two words?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say about those words. Those are very important words. But um I'm not sure what you know, the date was. What exactly are gonna It could be a
0: whole thing. Yeah. Let's not get into it. and I, I need a happy wife and
2: a happy life. So <laughs> I don't know I, I remember up in the first place. But didn't we have like I remember some years ago, we we all were having this discussion about I forgot what, but it was definitely linguistics. Um we were having some oh i can't remember i remember it started at, at andrews but it just kept going and it i can't a lot. yeah uh anyways well the reason why i wanted to talk about the phd was a very selfish reason why because um i wanted to get a phd <laughs> and i wanted to know more about like what is life like having a phd so i have not uh I have two bachelors in business. I have an MBA and then I have a, and then, so I want to get a, an MBA, or, sorry, a PhD maybe perhaps in in business or eventually in uh, leadership coaching or coaching, life coaching and leadership coaching. I don't know. Um, so I was like, who best to ask about what life is like with a PhD than someone who actually has a PhD? First of all, though, first, so we had discussion about, expertise, all of us. Do we consider someone who hasn't a PhD an expert? The internet says yes. Ab- I mean, an, an expert in their field, absolutely. I mean, yes, 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 a- an expert in their field, yes. Tim, what do you think?
0: I mean, Uh-oh. the internet, no. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to uh, acquiesce. Yeah,
2: no. <laughs> okay.
0: The internet says it is, I'll go with that.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, they, they said that. I mean, well, let me see. I forgot which website it was. Um, was it Indeed.com? I think it's a career. Um, so, oh no, 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 no. It's Forbes. Forbes um, had a um, had a an article about why a PhD is necessary to become a professor. Uh, first of all, that's a good question. Do you consider Richard yourself a, a professor or just a teacher? Like, No, I'm a lecturer. Oh, a lecturer.
1: Okay, and what's the difference? I'm a lecturer in linguistics and English language. Oh, it's the way the UK system oh. works. Uh, I don't know how the academic hierarchy works in the US, but I think it has tenure-tracked assistant professors, full professor, something uh. like this. Here it works lecturer, senior lecturer, Professor.
2: Oh. Okay. 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 So that just means you have to be a, lectur- a lecturer for a certain amount of time before you get professor status. That's that's the only
1: difference. Oh, you need promotion. Good luck getting it. It's right. not so oh, easy. Oh yeah. So
2: is that based on, on on
0: typically like how much you've published and researched?
1: That's very yeah. important. Yes. I mean, it's not so much the amount, but the importance. How often do you get cited? What impact have you generated? That sort of stuff. But publishing a lot obviously right. helps as you guys know from a podcast you know you have to publish 40 to get one with like ten thousand views
0: yeah it makes sense makes sense for sure yeah so i i'm curious you know i'm sure you have other friends who are phds that maybe aren't in academia right so i guess in in your view Mm -hmm. you know how 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 do you see a phd's importance you know for those that are not specifically trying to work in an academic field right as far as they're just out in the in the general you know workforce Do you have friends that are PhDs that are not academic? And how does that kind of affect their ability to, I guess, gain gain work?
1: Well, I have a couple of friends with PhDs who don't work in academia. Many of them have very, very good jobs. Um, So one, for instance, did a PhD in linguistics and they got hired by Apple. You know, they work on artificial intelligence Uh, and computational linguistics and speech technology and stuff like this. Uh, Another one actually very similar who now works for Google. I don't know. I mean, if you have really good knowledge, programming, engineering, that sort of stuff, then of course your PhD is very useful to get a good job. Um, I have lots of other people who worked in academia first and then discovered, you know what, actually that's not for me. Uh, And those guys now have lives that are very unique, very different. I think people who do a PhD sometimes are a bit unusual. They're a bit out there and it's reflected in their lives. You know, they work on a farm or just they, they find happiness in smaller things, uh, helping immigrants or um, being there for their family. Um, and that's just as good. I mean, why think about the success of a PhD only in terms of money? Um, And I think uh, Steve Jobs famously took this course on calligraphy that then led him to design the Apple interface in a particular way. So you never really know where your way takes you. So you start with a PhD and you think, is it important? Am I going to make money? Am I regarded as an expert? But that's not really the right way to think about it. You know, it's the journey. You get to have time to learn about something in greater depth than anybody else. You have the chance to climb, climb on top of the shoulders of giants and see further than them to add a tiny little bit of knowledge to this immense body of knowledge we already have and if that excites you I think you should do it and everything else I don't know seems a bit misguided perhaps yeah. it is a fact I think you need a PhD if you want to have a career in academia it's like an entrance right. ticket it's your ticket to be allowed to play with the big boys you know and publish in publishing journals and stuff like this Um but a piece of paper does not make you an expert. So if you think I wanted to do a PhD to show off, that's bad. <laughs> right. But you could show off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it,
0: yeah, I, I guess you, you could initially get the PhD, but yeah, you know, if, if you progress any further, it's based off of, again, like your, how valuable is your research, right? You, you maybe you did something and it's like, you know, no one cares about that particular area of study. So one thing I think is interesting about, about PhDs is that, from what I understand, a lot of it is around doing, again, original research, right, like adding original knowledge to Hmm. kind of the field of study, uh, which I think is is interesting, because I I guess that's really the only way not the only way, but really the the, the major way that we kind of use incentivize like new, new discovery, new thought, new ideas in a field, right, is kind of by conferring these PhDs upon people. Um, I, I guess thinking about that outside of it's outside of wanting to do that. I guess to your point, Nate, you know, do, do do you have a desire to, like, further the study of a particular area, or or were you looking at a PhD to kind of help you get into certain doors, as far as? Uh,
2: no, it was it's really about like what Rich was saying about expounding my uh, understanding. I did do research to figure out if a PhD, you know, like what the salary. Um, um, kind of what the salary gap would be between someone, you know, uh, with like a a master's level without a PhD. Sorry, not master's level, that's confusing terms. But like, you know, someone who has the same job without a PhD and, and then there's someone who has it with a PhD. Um, but that's not the reason why I... So I researched that. I researched uh, like how long it takes and stuff like that. I had previously asked Richard multiple of these questions because I I think I told you before, perhaps Richard, that I was interested in going mm-hmm. to a PhD. Um, but uh, yeah, to see how, like how difficult it was already, I'm just like like up to my neck in debt with. It. <laughs> so so like it would really have to be something that I um, uh, either getting paid for or that I don't have to pay for. It. Like that's what it is, but. The reason why I wanted to do it is, like, uh, my subject was to be tentatively somewhere around, um, like, um, how do you say this? Like, uh, I don't know how to really explain this, like, proper employee, um, I don't know, satisfaction, which can be related to uh, business, um, like prosperity and um, you know, it, h- higher ins, uh, uh, higher revenue. I have and no stuff idea like what you're talking whatever. about. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was. <laughs> Not no, at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is like no,
0: but There's but our thesis—it I mean, it sounds utterly confusing to anybody. Yeah. It's confusing. Yeah, like what is that? Basically, so, I I'm just
2: <laughs> let me try to because I'm also not the best at explaining like most things. So, anyways, but like uh, basically, I just wanted to research the um, kind of uh, what happens when you have a good a workplace where employees feel uh, validated under heard um and um you know at, and when uh, employees employers act upon what employees you know suggest uh compared to situations where that is not the case or businesses where that is not the case you know uh, basically i th- th- i have a i have a um what's the what's the term thesis is it a thesis is no it's not a thesis when you have hypothesis? a hypothesis, thank you. I have an hypothesis, no, a hypothesis. where I, I believe that um, profitability can yeah. be directly, um, what's the term? Directly related, related to, you, associated yeah, with, with, uh, with uh, empl- um, employee satisfaction. So you're like saying
1: that. companies that make more money have happier employees. No, no, no. I'm saying
2: <laughs> companies, I'm saying company or sorry companies if companies have a better kind of like work culture and happier uh employees do they let do they have longer long, long longevity do they have uh uh Ooh, that's a difficult question, a difficult you, need question. To,
1: and, uh, you need to see you need to follow people for like 30 years before they return yeah
2: well i mean i don't know how to go about it it's just a it, it's like a. Um, it's like a it's just a working i guess title or something like in my head and i came up with it just because like uh you know all the also if you want to study
1: longevity Mm -hmm. so if your outcome variable is longevity what you want to measure is longevity you need a very very large sample because you know sometimes people just die by Mm -hmm. accident and in order to make sure you measure the right effect you need a huge sample. I mean, well, I'm thinking it would be a thousand people Longevity here. of
2: the company, right? Not longevity of the person.
1: Oh, of the yeah, company. I see. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like happier employees like, live longer. No,
2: a happier, a I happier environment makes the company thrive, right. basically. Cool. Which would be
0: interesting because you could potentially find a data set already used for some other research and really maybe slice and dice it for your purposes, yep. you know, and do different analysis against it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's
1: expected yeah. anyway. You have to be familiar with the background literature.
2: Yeah. Yep. So that was the first one. And then just recently I came up with another idea of, uh, which is very much along the same lines, which is um, something around uh, leadership uh, coaching uh, and kind of life coaching. Is that really kind of useful, you know, in a business uh, perspective. So, yeah, the one thing that I, I find interesting about kind
0: of, you know, PhD research and doctoral research, because my father did a he did a doctorate, not a PhD, so not terminal, That's but the same thing similar, you know, but his research specifically, t- in order to kind of make it a new topic, it was specifically around um, the particular church that he was at. So it was uh, how this affects this particular population in this city in this way, right? In order to kind of get specific mm-hmm. enough that it's adding something new because a lot of topics to your point, Nate, are, are have been talked about before in some form or fashion, right? So how, right. how do you find something new, right? To kind of
2: add a wrinkle to it to make it something that, that you're bringing right. that hasn't already been said or done yeah. already. Which is- I plan to do it. I don't know when I, I did, there was a, um, there was an opportunity at the university of Geneva where uh, Richard was doing his PhD um, of, about two years ago but it was like just before um covid so everything just kind of stopped <laughs> so i did i like got no responses from them or anything like that so yeah yeah but it's so true I'm, like yeah go ahead no
0: because i'm curious richard so you know a phd is a lot of work you mentioned even just you know you spent 11 years just kind of researching this particular topic yeah. but before you got into the phd track were you already the type of person that enjoyed like school, like enjoyed studying, enjoyed kind of the process of, of schooling? And, and is, is the PhD process very different from kind of the normal kind of school process, you know, up through say a, a master's degree?
1: Well, I think the answer to your questions is both yes. So I think I was quite good at school. I enjoyed learning. I liked being brainy. I was more of a nerd than a jock, <laughs> I guess. Um, I never liked that. I always wanted to be cool and hang out with the cool kids. Don't I I know? know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, then you do your um, undergraduate degree and your master's degree, and that's nice and fun. And you're a student, and you're young, and you party, and you drink a lot, and everything is great. And then uh, PhD time is different in that it is more serious. If you mess this one up, you're not just giving up one year of your life, but, you know, three, four, five, six years, however long it's going to take you. And you're you're older. I mean, I know in the U.S. um, Ph.D. students tend to be very young because they start college at 18, three years, 21, one extra year, 22, 23. That's when they start their Ph.D. In Europe, they're more like 25, 26. And in the second half of your 20s, you're at a different stage in your life. You are looking, you know, for more meaningful relations, perhaps in something a bit more long term, not necessarily for 20, 30 years or getting married or something like this. But, you know, you're going to be there longer for one than for y- one year. So a PhD comes with a certain responsibility that the MA degree didn't have. And that hopefully is then also reflected in more professional research. Because, you know, it's relatively easy to get a master's degree, but you look at these master's theses, they're oftentimes really subpar. They're not very good. I mean, sometimes they're mm-hmm. great, but very often they're just, all nah, right, okay, here's your master's degree. Go and <laughs> yeah. do something. Yeah. <laughs> so a PhD really has to shine. A PhD, You can't mess up a PhD, whereas your BA, MA, you can still be sort of so-so and show that you can do academic work. It's a different level, is what uh, I'm saying. At what age did you get your PhD? 32. 32. Okay. Yeah, I'm quite I'm very old. I'm a, I'm a tiny fish. I'm not a <laughs> good scholar. <laughs> I mean, if you if you wanted to get a big shot professor on here, you should. They're very interesting. I think they might have a very interesting perspective on their own lives. Uh, but I'm a tiny fish in a huge sea. I have way too few publications and I got very little done. And I'm very late. You see all these people like 26, they have their PhD, three publications, bam, they like they're going to be the next big shot professors, you know. I'm not like that. I'm just sort of a small lecturer, but I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, it, it. It, I, I get to do yeah, what I, I love. Mean,
0: it, it sounds like you're doing what you enjoy and he yeah. found a way to get paid to get the Ph.D. So, you know, you got paid to mm-hmm. research what you love and you get to teach and research so to yeah. me. It sounds like, you know, you've won. Right. Because you're doing right. what you enjoy, yeah. you know, maybe you're not the big shot in your eyes, but it sounds like you've, you're doing fulfilling work. Right. And you're able to, su- to support mm-hmm. yourself, which I know isn't always the case for many people that kind of pursue their dream. And can't also like support themselves with that dream, you know. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Are you? No, the good things about my work.
2: (laughs) 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 No. Sorry, (laughs) Richard. What were you saying?
1: (laughs) I agree. Yeah, the good things outweigh the bad things, and I'm grateful and happy that I have this sort of job. But there are also a lot of downsides. I mean, there is a lot of bad stuff going on too. It's not all just rosy and shiny. But overall, I'm happy doing what I'm doing.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So I'm, I'm curious, Tim. So let's, let's just say, Tim, again, you know, finance wasn't an issue, you know, you were taken care of, you know, what do you think you would enjoy studying if you could go do like a PhD in something? And, you know, you, you, you're getting paid, bills are paid, you just got to go just research something brand new.
1: Oh, let's all guess. <laughs> Let's make it a game. Yeah. I, well, I, I okay. imagine
0: something around astrophysics or. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. That would be. That would be. He, so his background, Richard, just so you don't have any, you know, you're not just guessing blank here. Uh, so he's in currently oh, security, thing. uh, cyber, like security ish thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he's very interested in like, uh, sci-fi, like Star Trek and stuff like that. So go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 okay
2: so that's tim in one minute no oh, wait wait we're I mean, just gonna I mean, guess oh wait we gonna guess uh, i'm gonna go soon oh what well,
1: well, well, were your guess? so christian said astrophysics yeah. and what did you I say, say Nate?
2: anything let me see i would say <laughs> um wait tim what was your um what was your degree in cyber it was in cybersecurity, cybersecurity as well yeah yeah it was i think something in tech i would think
1: yeah, probably something techy yeah. then. Something in machine learning and computing and data Oh yeah, and especially stuff like that. since yeah. But you 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 ruined it. I would have said something wild and out there and crazy. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry. I mean, you could still go out there because I mean, to be honest, we why may not, be wrong. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's like, um, I don't know. You know <laughs> yeah, monkey linguistics. Just... Who who knows what what it was? Agriculture, maybe. right? <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: so many cool things. <laughs> Agriculture, yeah.
0: Why not? All right Tim you're on the spot. Actually it, it would it, it probably would have been astrophysics. Uh
2: yeah.
0: Yeah cuz
2: well done. The, Chris. Nice. Other
0: other than uh computers I spend the majority of my time learning about you know bodies of you know that's out out in this you know in this universe. That's right. that's why I keep you know where I'm not
2: doing anything with computers. That's where I'm at it's- Speaking of just a little digression, and by little I mean huge, did you <laughs> t- <laughs> did me. you see? I re- I read somewhere, um, probably online, probably someone's social media, so don't judge me, um, where they were talking about a planet, um, whose. Uh, so they were trying to determine uh, like alien life, right? Still, and they were talking about a planet that they it had a belt around it. Of water, and it's a planet. One side of the planet is always facing their sun, and the uh-huh. other pla- side of the planet is always facing away from the sun. And they their thesis, their theory, sorry, is that um, the parts that are both facing the sun and away from the sun, where the water can actually be liquid, are probably hosting life. Did you did you read about th- did you read about that?
0: No, I did not. I have been actually. Um, trying to look up stuff about this um, asteroid
2: that they say is supposed to be coming near the Earth around 2045. First something that. that. 2045? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I'll be dead by then. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Listen, y'all know how we weren't supposed to make it out past, what, 21? Was that? <laughs> right. Was it the year, the year 2000? <laughs> Y2K? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah
1: but there are lots of stories like this they come the, the physical models also predict planets that that are made up of diamonds right. oh what really uh, but it's all very fictional yeah yeah i mean all sorts of things could theoretically happen exist mm-hmm. i mean this comet is more interesting i think it's closer to truth i mean we'll see if it actually happens in 2045 but stuff that really excites me is missions like uh, dragonfly have you heard about that i have not it's going to be launched by NASA. I mean, it's always delayed, right. isn't it? But they're planning for 2026. And uh, it's going to be a little helicopter they're sending to Titan, oh, the no. only moon in the solar system with a dense atmosphere. And there is actual weather going on. They have methane lakes. The whole thing is fascinating as hell. You should, If you edit this, Nate, you should... Put in like five seconds from NASA <laughs> footage. It's really amazing. It's like the coolest thing that's happening in space exploration right Y'all now. Just consistently and now that trying the to web give me more work. Been... Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just do it. Like, what's, what's the problem? I know.
2: it's as easy as it's, one, two. It makes it more entertaining. Video, yeah. cut it in. Like, what's the problem? Nate? I thought. Listen, I thought about doing all that, but then I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry for that uh, digression, but mate. I do love space, but not as much as Tim. But I do like it, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm a, I'm a space fan. I'm a science fan in general. Like, when science news break, like, the discovery of gravitational waves or stuff like this excites me. I find it really cool. I guess it's because we linguists have a bit of physics envy. You know, we want to be sciencey and professional-like <laughs> physicists, but, you know, we just deal with humans and language. And we just? <laughs> <obviously. laughs>
2: Ah, uh, these peons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Richard. So, can you think of, can you think of a point where something really kind of sparked your interest in linguistics specifically? Is there a point, or was it kind of always there? Or, you know, because I, I, think it's an interesting field. But what, what kind of drew you to linguistics specifically as, as kind of a, a, an area of study?
2: Yeah, and it, excuse me if I'm being too. Maybe uh, not. Jeez, my French is just killing me. Um, how sensitive say, how enough, I suppose. Yeah, right. But 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 because your your Sorry, native which word are you looking your for your native language sensitive. isn't English, right? And you did you, no, no, I'm German. German. Um yes. as as I know, know yeah, yes, I knew know. that. But um, you know, for for everyone else for all um, the listeners yeah so how is it when that you edit not... this
1: it should come earlier <laughs> no 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 it's gonna come right here <laughs> it'll be confusing like who the high what
2: now it makes sense He's and drone. that's exactly what we want them to do <laughs> to continue listening so yeah so how did you get into that
1: wait that was exactly what christian was asking. Well,
0: well i i i think i think his wrinkle was I think he specifically is asking why you chose to study English <laughs> specifically, right? But I mean, wow. mine was more broad around linguistics in general. I think mean, Nate's question is is given, given Germans your native language, what caused you to right. want to study this specific case studies with English, right? Thank so. you, Chris. All right. Chris okay. is
2: my translator, by the way. <laughs> yes, very helpful. Very helpful. All
1: right. So let's take Nate's question first. Okay. But also, first I need to say, when you ask people these sorts of questions, what happens is post-hoc rationalizing. You come up with a story that's not actually what really happened. happened. You try to remember something 10 years ago. You, you try to come up with a story and uh, have reasons and a rationale. It wasn't really like that. But okay, so I think what happened, so I liked English in high school. I enjoyed it. And uh, so I always liked England, too. I was fascinated with the, the British Empire. My friend was French. They always have a French empire, you know, (laughs) civilization, games, when you can do something. I was always the British. Uh, First time I went to London, that was when I was 14. I was just, wow, it was like huge and everything was exciting and English newspapers. And it was just amazing. I liked liked it very much. And then I went back quite a bit. And then uh, when I was 18, I worked as a waiter in England. So obviously I learned some English then and it was all very unique. It was a weird time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, But then you have to come up with something to do. So that brings me to Christian's question. So, you know, you're 18, you're going to study. What are you going to study? Well, who knows, really? I had a whole list. I remember I made a list. I don't know what was on this list. Law was on this list. I could have been a lawyer. Me
2: too. That was on my list. Um,
1: Didn't do it, though. I can't remember. But then I studied um, English and psychology and philosophy is what I studied. And then in my first semester, I took English phonology, which I thought was really cool. I would almost have become a phonologist. Now, for, for the people you that might not rules, know, not sounds... me, obviously, but phonology. <laughs> Can you
0: explain it for, for the, the, the listeners?
2: <laughs> Definitely me. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I think most people know the word phonology. No it's phonetics, I'm words. assuming like you're semantics. going. Yeah, phonetics and phonology. No. Phonetics is about actual speech sounds—the p and k and t that come out of my mouth. Phonology is about those sounds in a system. The smallest unit in a language that distinguishes meaning is a phoneme. I think that should be common knowledge. Well, it be, isn't. It's actually <laughs> one of guarantee. the most. Giant... It's a very important discovery. Uh, it's like the uh, period, the uh, the uh, chemical element, the periodic table of elements in chemistry. We have a complete understanding of human sounds. It's quite impressive. Mm. You can do a lot of important things with it too. Uh, so I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And then I took an introduction to linguistics. You learn about all the other areas, you know, semantics and sentences and grammar and politeness and whatnot. It's, so it's very rich. Uh. <laughs> and so then I was hooked and I thought this is pretty cool. Then what really happened though is I wasn't quite happy enough with just English. I thought the real, at least for a while, the real deal is studying all the languages. You know, You want to guess how many languages there are? Oh,
2: that's a good question. That is a good question. 5,000. Of course,
1: uh, you, nobody can... 5,000 is excellent. Very good guess. Yeah. Not bad. It's in the ballpark. 5,000, 6,000. I mean, you know, where does one language start and a dialect begin? Like, yeah, that's a good question, <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. yeah I could. But 5,000 <laughs> is very good.
2: Well done. Man. I I
1: mean... And for Nate, for you, when you edit this, could be like a little quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do put <laughs> questions 500, out. 500, by... 5,000... 50,000. <laughs> and 5,000 is the right ding, one. Ding, 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 ding. Wait, 5,000 is the ding, right ding, one. Ding, okay. ding. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's leave it to, 6, to get that, right? <laughs> They're dying out. It's dangerous. You think climate change, ocean acidification, everything is getting worse. Same with languages. English? We're losing languages as a at a rapid speed. It's quite worrying. Well, so uh, people should invest some money in documenting them. Uh, uh, and teaching them to teach themselves, be proud of their heritage, and continue speaking their language. So, for um, for
0: the people, why why is it important that we're losing languages?
1: Why well, it's being human is to speak. Losing languages is a tremendous loss. Uh, I mean, do you care if a plant dies out, or I don't know if I mean we should. Doesn't but, language, well, so I, doesn't yeah, language
0: um, give? It, it, interpretate, it interprets this world and it's a very specific view the way people speak. Yes. So, yeah, that's very important.
1: Listen, but... It's not just that the language determines how you see the world, but it certainly gives you a perspective. Yeah. Okay. You, you have to conceptualize the world in a way. And the things you see in language, it's beautiful. I mean, you have to have a certain appreciation for it, I suppose, that comes with knowledge. But when you see all these case endings, you know, some languages have like English, he and him, that's accusative and nominative, but they're whole different arrangements where you have uh, absolutive and ergatives and and, and hundreds of other case endings. And some languages like Chinese don't have any case endings at all. They're just very much word, 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 like an analytic word order. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some languages like, you know, Greenlandic, where one word is as long as an entire sentence. Or, you know, like click sounds. Mm -hmm. Aren't they cool? Yes. Like uh, in Khoisan languages, I mean, everything about it is just fascinating. the structure, and when you lose it, it's gone forever. You can't bring it back. You have to wait another 10,000 years before a new language evolves, but it will be different from the one that's lost.
0: So I'm just curious. So <clears throat> have there been any new languages developed in recent history, or is it only kind of kind of a narrowing? Have, has there been any, any new branches that have, that have occurred? in the last, say, couple
1: hundred years. Well, the way this works is via dialect formation, right? You have one language like a tree and then it branches, it becomes variable, and then over time new languages develop. But there are some famous cases of very fast language development, you know, with pidgin Creole languages. Uh-huh. Uh, also spontaneous sign languages. So you put deaf children together and they gesture to each other and spontaneously develop a language that way. But this process, the main process of creating languages, you know, a gradual process of diversification and variability into different dialects, sub-dialects, and then eventually some of those win out and become big, important languages. That's going on now, as it always has. So there are processes of dialect leveling where dialects disappear, And then at the same time new ones emerge so these people who say that over time everybody's going to speak the same you know or standard english is taking over everything uh, that's just not true there's some truth to it and that we see a lot of dialect leveling right now so for instance in france every village used to have its little dialect now everybody speaks standard french that is certainly happening but the normal processes of language development still apply so i wouldn't be worried about that not too much anyway
0: this is. A fascinating I mean, just me. if you
1: want to preserve languages, I also would be very interested in dialects. These that also has value, you know, the way your grandparents spoke or whatever right. that is. Why not?
2: Yeah, because I've all actually always wanted to. Um, I I know that we are digressing, but this is actually really interesting the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually always um, wait. What's the difference between a dialect and the vernacular? Is that what the Term is, is that what that is?
1: Yeah, so I use dialect to refer to different regions. Oh. So, a diatopic variety, for instance, you know, Southern American English is a dialect or uh, Canadian English or whatever. And then the vernacular contrasts with standard. So, you have standard English, you know, in uh, dictionaries, okay. on TV, codified, taught at school and then everything how people actually talk, that's the vernacular. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly true that vernacular and dialect go well together because regional varieties are often also substandard varieties. Right.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. So I, I guess and a follow along question, which I th- thought Nick was going to ask was, you know, how does a dialect become what you would classify as a language?
1: A dialect is essentially a language. Uh, so it's a gradual a fuzzy distinction. Mm-hmm. Uh, There are dialects that cannot easily understand each other. For instance, in Norway, there is, I don't know how to pronounce this, Riksmal and Landsmal or something like this. Those are radically different. One cannot understand the other, but they're saying it's dialects of one language because they want to create Norwegian as a nation state. Whereas, for instance, Serbian and Croatian, they're basically the same language. They have no problems understanding each other, but instead of saying they're dialects, they want to say they are two different languages. Again, for political reasons, because Serbia and Croatia don't like themselves, don't like each other very much. So, uh, oftentimes the distinction between dialect and language comes with nation states. And, you know, there's this funny quote, uh, something with, you know, a language, language is a dialect with an army or something ah. like this. Language <laughs> is a dialect with a sword and an army. I like
2: that. Okay. That's, uh, okay.
1: But of course, I mean, there is some sense in the distinction. Just like, for instance, with animals, you want to say they're different species. Those cannot breed. They cannot create offspring. And that's like different languages. I mean, you tried Russian and Swahili. Communication is impossible. Clearly, those are different languages. Mm. Uh, But sometimes they're like ring species or dialect continua. So they're a little bit different, but they can still communicate. For instance, you know, Spanish or Portuguese or something like this. Uh, And uh, then it's Close is it a dialect is it a language but the defining criterion should be mutual intelligibility
0: hmm.
1: got it got it i like it That's but the uh, the classification and the language uh, has a lot of um, it plays a big role so for instance the us i mean the us has great linguistics too so there's a lot of work on this and i'm not really an expert on it but if you wanted someone else to come on your podcast to talk about it i, I know a lot uh, a couple of really interesting people but anyway um In the U.S., there is a tendency, I think, it's my opinion, to overemphasize differences. By and large, the really remarkable thing about the linguistic landscape in North America is its homogeneity. Never, ever in history has there been an entire continent from coast to coast where everybody could basically understand each other. There used to be thousands, maybe tens of thousands of languages spoken on this continent, and now that basically everybody speaks English, mm-hmm. you know, with some Quebecois French, but even those guys mostly speak English right. uh, as a second language. Yes. The power of colonialism. Now that. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, I miss that. But yeah, I mean, now that we have this homogeneity, people are really keen to find differences and they say, oh, this is US English and this is Canadian English. As if it's a different. I mean, it's, it's so it's, similar. It's, it is know? hard to
2: tell the. I mean, you can tell, you can not tell the difference, but it's tell. it is very hard to tell the difference, especially with certain words. But right. uh, yeah, 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 and, and and that's a lot a lot
0: of the difference there's around accent, not so much like like word differences, yeah. right? right? So
2: yeah, I mean, granted, yeah. they do have their own uh, expressions, right? Phrases, uh, or, or or whatever that americans would use
1: but i think it also has to do with sort of american culture to just celebrate all sorts of differences you know have your museum for everything and a song for everything and cheerleading for everything so you want to focus on our identity our little lighthouse in massachusetts or our you know in in the south apparently people call um every soda every fuzzy drink coke <laughs> right you know they have the separate you guys versus y'all like, well, there's a big difference. He's so southern. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you, you you want to emphasize these small, tiny little cultural differences. when in reality, what you really have to keep in mind about the situation is how unique it is that it is so much the same. People always focus on the differences when really that's not remarkable at all. Uh, you see some crazy differences in language. Those are clearly all, you know dialects of the same language, in my opinion. But because people like to highlight differences so much, there are some people who want to say, well, this part here is now its own language or, you know, uh, across social classes and so on. Uh, and I think that's wrong. I think from my point of view, there's only one form of language in the US, basically in the English world, where there of course, is Spanish and hundreds of other languages spoken. But in the English speaking world, we should say it's one language with many dialects rather than different languages. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. That makes I mean,
2: because we, but we don't re- necessarily refer, refer to them as different languages. We, or at least in the U.S., we usually refer to them as different accents. accents. And I think there's a, there's a total of maybe four or five different ac- accents in the U.S. I'm sure there's way That's more than, more than, than that. that. Or yeah. five identified, right? Of course, the, we have the
1: classification system. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you can uh, divide different accents in many different ways. Oh. But there are standard systems like the um, Atlas of North American English, but they are way more than five. Oh, okay.
2: Well, uh, I was thinking I mean, West Coast, system, you East Coast, s- South, nah. Midwest. Yeah.
0: Nah. yeah there, there are so many. I remember I, there's this guy on YouTube that I watched one day, and he was going into the different accents in the U.S. and it was mm. it was amazing because as he would talk about them, he was changing his accent, yep. and talking about different sounds about. and how they changed oh. going mm. from say Florida up through to like you know. New York, yeah. and how you could see going through this area. And about they the pronounce, pronounce know, the A or... this way, or um, one word he used was, was Mary, right? Well, were different areas, yeah. right? Mary, Mary, and Mary might sound the same, or it's like yes. Mary, Mary, and Mary, right? And so,
1: yes. you know, those kind of things. I just I find it. So, you know what? I was that's realized? a beautiful example. That's a beautiful, important example. That, that's amazing that you know this. It's, it's a very important variable that's been studied. Yeah, I was on YouTube one day, yeah. but this kind of thing. <laughs> like, I, I realized...
0: You, you know, it's, it's this, this whole topic of like a PhD makes me wonder, you know, eventually, you know, if we bring in AI for a second, other and other technologies, right, I, I think there will be less people that need to do a lot of the work. And I, I would think that that would give us more time to be able to like, go and research the things that we would enjoy to research without the fear of not being able to eat or have a place to live. Because <laughs> for for me, you know, I, I don't necessarily think I'd be able to go research this at the same time as providing for my family and then find a, like, a job. Sure. But if I, if, yes. if I won the lottery, I might actually go and research linguistics just for fun because I would enjoy it, right, and, yeah. And, yeah. and kind of help push the field forward just because it's enjoyable versus trying to find a way to, like, monetize the process of, like, research and learning, which I think, I think to some degree kind of hinders our, our learning as, as a society.
1: I mean, that's a very nice view, perhaps a bit utopian. Hopefully it will yeah. happen. But I mean, in <laughs> the 1980s, they auto. said we don't have... <laughs> yeah. But there were these predictions we'd have uh, Fridays off or only work 30, 35 hours a week, and then the opposite happened. We work more than ever, despite of all our uh, uh, technological advances. So I, I'm afraid that, you know, chat GBT or something will just you know, be another tool and will work just as much, yeah, right. rather yeah. than be an actual time-saving device and equalizer where people can, even if they don't have that much money, have the time to pursue something that's actually meaningful and important in their lives. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that, I think, especially in the U.S., there's a really aversion to paying people to like to not work, right? Yeah. So you know, to to your point, you know, all these things will just make us more efficient, but not but not allow us to work less, although. I've seen a lot of news lately about different entities and companies trying to move towards a thirty two hour work week.
2: Yeah. They should. Um, I mean, France is thirty-five. Right. Uh, well, general, but they really should yeah. lower that. I really feel it's really like arbitrary, we should be at right? I mean,
0: you know, at, at is, one yeah. point in time, people work six days a week, right? And then we cut it down, you know. Um and I know there's some inequality pieces to that, but really what, what that would mean here would be, you know, anything over thirty two is overtime, right? So people certain jobs might still have to work forty hours a week. But those eight hours, they're making more money for that because it's considered overtime versus like their regular work schedule. But
2: that's kind of a diversion. Listen, but, that yeah. is also <laughs> one of those things that I'm trying, like I would love to champion, like get re- reduction of uh, of work week, which would might be a part of my thesis. <laughs> he's got like 10 theses. I do. No. These <laughs> they're they're based. they're all based on business. At least there's that. <laughs> Uh, And this is why I haven't done my PhD yet.
1: (laughs) Start with something really small. It's like um, developing a board game. Have you ever tried to make a board game? No, my mom did. I haven't. But the way you're supposed to do it is find a mechanic that is very simple, but it's fun to repeat. I don't know, take the stone from here, put it there, get money, or some sort of circle that you can repeat and that in its in and of itself is sort of fun to do. You have to approach your PhD a bit like this, come up with something really, really small.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. Um, what could you measure? What do you want to measure? Happiness or something? You, you want to measure difficult things, longevity and work. <laughs> you have to find something really simple and start with that one little thing before well, you okay, know so very spirals simply, into something Maybe bigger. if we're going to talk
2: like really simple, see if, I don't know, that's still complex. Sorry. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, see, you know, just see if a person that's happy in, oh, sorry, if a business that has one happy employee is more profitable. With the same, yeah, but I mean, you start business. out with concepts like happiness. Do you know complex? how difficult
1: it is to measure right. happiness?
2: Yeah, but it, uh, they they do. Um, so they do have already measures. Like for example, this last previous job that I was yeah. in, they did uh-huh. um, they did win. I think almost Europe wide, I believe they won um, best place to work sort of thing, and they had the this one of their measures was happiness or whatever so
1: well
2: um, that's something to look at well i mean that goes back to language right because you think
0: about defining happiness It also the context of you know what society and where are you talking about that because one culture the word happiness might mean something else and and the way they define it can be different across Mm -hmm. you know i was trying to remember it was oh man there there was some i was listening to a podcast they were talking about another language thing and they were they were trying to describe um trying to ask someone like how something made them feel or why they did something it was something around like how how something made them feel and Mm -hmm. when they when they asked the question i think it was japan or somewhere they had a hard time answering the question because the premise of the question was so antithetical to their language that they didn't really even understand like how to answer the question because the premise of the question didn't even match the language which i think was just very interesting
1: wow that's very interesting what was it again maybe i, I should I, look into I, that had that had sounds really fascinating Sunday.
0: yeah it was very it was very interesting but
1: um another job for nate nate when right. you edit this uh, here we uh, want yeah. a <laughs> clickable link <Right. laughs> that's interesting because right. when i when i, I listen mean, to this again <laughs> i quite like to click <laughs> on this now and be like oh wow yeah so, the, the so podcast let me get this was... right there was like a question how versus why and there must have been some predicate like happy or something and the two just couldn't naturally be combined. Like in English, you cannot easily combine how with a negative uh, uh, phrase that follows. So I can say, how did you fix the car? Normal sentence. How didn't you fix the car? Like, you can say it, you can compute it, but it takes 10 times longer to understand what is meant. Like, how did I not do something? Right. So you need to list all the ways that you, it has a complicated semantics. <laughs> Uh, but you see, in, in English, that doesn't really naturally work. So maybe it's an interesting case like this, where you have a why. It's like, maybe in English, it wouldn't make much sense to say, why is a rainbow happy? Well, things just don't really combine. But in another culture, it might quite make sense to say a happy rainbow if you take a particular word for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, very absolutely. interesting. Yeah.
0: Yes. I'll, I'll try to find the, the Hidden Brain. It was a Hidden Brain podcast, a particular episode. Yeah. I'll try to find it, though. I'll, I'll shoot it to you guys. It was I'll
1: write it down. Hidden Brain. Yes. Uh, podcast, and it's on YouTube. Yeah, I sense more. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube. I it's brain, similar, you isn't podcasts, it was that
2: R P not much like our NPR? podcast.
0: Uh, it's, it's, I don't think it's. Is it NPR related? I think it's part of I NPR Hidden Brain. It sounds familiar. It, it might be related to NPR. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, folks, I, I I think we've hit a a, a lull, which I think makes which means we've I think discussed pretty thoroughly a multitude of topics uh we talked about pcs and language (laughs) and space and all kinds of fun stuff so richard thank you so much for having for joining us today it's been a great it was an honor to be
1: with you gentlemen thank you very much
0: yeah so i i I know you mentioned earlier that you had a website that you've got some stuff on you want to talk a a little bit about that
1: uh, yeah, of all the topics we've touched on, maybe the best website to mention would be uh, www.spokencorpus.org. That's uh, one of my websites. And since I talked a little bit about American English, maybe people find that website interesting.
2: Spokencorpus.org. Let me see. I'm going to type it up here. Spoken... Very
1: cool. Very cool.
2: Corpus, C-O-R-P-U-S.
1: Oops. C-O-R-P-U-S? Yes. Dot
2: well, that didn't work. I'll try it
1: later. .org?
0: <laughs> .org. <laughs> uh, I, I
2: .org. Sorry, I, yes. No, I did not do that.
0: Uh, the student transcribed corpus of American, uh, spoken American English.
1: Hmm. Very cool. One of my projects. Oh, I like this. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got
0: oh, it. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Nice. Well, okay. Good. Yeah, I feel like I need a sort of outro. I don't know. I don't know what to say. It was, it was very unusual for me to be on with you. And I, I mean, I obviously don't really know you guys. So it's a bit, our, our, our relationship is not defined, but it's nice to just talk to random people about some of this stuff Well, I that's yeah. what's so fun but about our It could have been so many directions. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we like the idea
2: that people can come on and just shoot the breeze, you know? And especially if they have something that, they want to share, like you were very, it's, it's very clear that you're passionate about what you're doing. Um, so it, <laughs> so it's very, um, that's what we like. We like having people on who, who, you know, kind of want to share their world with us, you know, and just talk mm-hmm. about it. So thank you. Well,
1: all I can do is uh, just thank you again and wish you all the best of luck for your podcast in the future. And, uh, hopefully I'll see you again.
0: I appreciate it. All right, folks. We've had Richard today talking about PhDs in linguistics. Uh, don't forget to find us on all the socials. We're unofficially opinionated. Um, just go find us everywhere. We're all over the place. Uh, thanks always to Nate King for our editing and all the audio As you've heard like a million times during yes, this podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, A lot of hard work there. Thanks also always to, to Tim as well. Tim Brown does all of our graphical design. Uh, Thanks again to Jaden Moore. He does our intro, outro music as well. Um, And I guess we'll catch you guys next time. Yep. All right. All
2: right. Bye, Tim. Bye, Tim. Bye.